You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. You know what? I'm excited. I'm excited every week that we get to talk to Bill Barnwell, but finally this week we get to talk to Bill Barnwell on a week where both of our teams sit victorious. Oh, this is going to be so stinking because there's no way Bill is going to put our fire out. Can't rain on that parade. No, no, no. There's no rain coming. Bill Barnwell joining us, host of the Bill Barnwell Show. Uh, Follow him on Twitter, at Bill Barnwell. Uh, Bill, I'm just, since I'm bringing you in first, I'm still on cloud nine from watching the Raiders run the ball so effectively and then as a result be able to pass the ball so effectively i feel like the method is there now they've shown you how they're going to win football games am i reasonable to start to get excited at this point i think you're reasonable to get excited about this running game right i mean josh jacobs remember earlier this year is basically being thrown on the the dumpster i mean he was a guy who they didn't pick up his fifth year option he was playing with the backups in preseason it felt like it was inevitable that Josh Jacobs was going to be moved before the season even started. And now he's playing like a top five running back in the National Football League. So I know it wasn't maybe what people expected in terms of his passing attack, in terms of the offense. Certainly injuries have come into play, but this Raiders team can run the ball. And that's at least a starting point for them as they hit a pretty easy part of their schedule in the AFC West. Well, since we're just going to go homers first. Yes. Uh... <laughs> We don't have to get into how great the Bears looked and how they won in all phases and how it was a dominant performance. Let's just focus on play calling and fields. This was a very different approach in terms of designed runs, in terms of the chunk mm-hmm. plays that he was able to hit. I mean, this looked like a very good game plan in addition to him executing it well. Absolutely, Sarah. So smart, so attentive. And I think what this comes to mind for me is the Eagles last year. Remember last season when... Jalen Hurts was struggling early in the year, and they kind of shifted their offense right around now. And from that point forward, running the ball more, building an offense around Jalen Hurts' strengths, he was a much, much better quarterback. And that was one of the best offenses in football. I don't know if the Bears have that kind of upside, if I'm being honest. They fumbled five times on offense yesterday and recovered all five fumbles. That's not going to happen every single week. But... Like you said, this offense looks better constructed. Justin Fields looked better in the context of this offense, and they had time to think about it, right? This was basically a mini-buy, given that they played in Thursday in Week 6 and had all the way until Monday in Week 7 to really kind of take a step back and evaluate that offense. So I'm pretty optimistic. I think there was a lot to like about the scheme, about how Justin Fields played within the scheme, and I think the stuff that worked is going to keep working for them as long as Fields is able to stay upright. We're talking to Bill Barnwell on Spain and Fitz. So, Bill... We got four legends that every year we just think can make anything happen. It's Aaron Rodgers, Mm. it's Tom Brady, it's Mike Tomlin, and it's Bill Belichick. For this season, which of those four are you now the most concerned about? Ooh, I would say Mike Tomlin, although it's not Mike Tomlin's fault. I think the defense is not the problem in Pittsburgh, even with the injuries to Edmund Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, their star players are not playing but I just don't think this offense has any juice. I mean, there's major concerns about the offensive line. Obviously, the quarterback play is a work in progress, regardless of who's been in there. They've won two games, and it's felt like both of those wins required Mike Tomlin to basically get a miracle to happen, either in terms of turnovers or in terms of mistakes from the opposing team. So 
They play the Eagles this week. I know stranger things have happened. They beat the Bengals. They beat the Bucks. They beat probably the two toughest teams on their schedule. Maybe they upset the Eagles, but I, I think this is a team that has a very difficult schedule from here on out. And I, I love Mike Tomlin. I think he's one of the best coaches in football. I really like his streak, and I have major questions about that 500 or better streak coming on for another season here in 2022. Bill Barnwell is with us. You can follow him at Bill Barnwell. I want to stick there for a minute and talk Belichick, and I think the QB controversy is a fine one. It is hard to tell between those two who's better right now. Bailey Zappi certainly showed some really exciting signs during that quick stretch there in the game before things settled back down, but I'm more interested in why Bill uh, Belichick would make the cardinal sin of believing in the two-quarterback system. There are memes and jokes older than all of us combined about how that never works. What <laughs> is going on with Bill Belichick right now between the offensive coordinator stuff and this. What is mm -hmm. he clueless? Well, I'm going to say Bill Belichick is not clueless. That's something I want to have on the record. Bill Belichick <laughs> usually, usually seems to be pretty smart, but I think maybe he's stretching things a little too far. I mean, Bill Belichick does love competition. He does love rotating his younger players in other positions. Typically, he does not do that at quarterback. And so... I think the question is basically does what works elsewhere in the NFL at, at other positions for Belichick extend to quarterback? To me, I would say no. I don't think the rhythm of uh, rotating out quarterbacks works. I know Kyle Shanahan has talked about how last year he didn't want to bring in Trey Lance because it hurt him as a play caller. And maybe if this were Josh McDaniels, if it was a more experienced offensive setup, maybe it'd be different, but this isn't. This is an offensive line that has, has a work in progress, and it's Matt Patricia and Joe Judge overseeing things on offense, and those guys are not experienced offensive coaches. So I don't know if they have the infrastructure to pull it off, and I think within a couple weeks, it's going to go back to Mac Jones as the full-time starter. But, hey, I mean, this is a team that just lost in embarrassing fashion in primetime. They get the Jets, a team they're expected to beat most years, and that kind of seems like a toss-up right now, which would have been very confusing if I had been talking to you about this before the season started. How much – I mean, you just mentioned Aaron Judge – Aaron Judge. You just mentioned Joe Judge uh, and Matt Patricia. Uh, how much of that, mm -hmm. though, still lies at the feet of Belichick since he made these decisions on who to put into the places they're at? Bill Belichick would tell you 100%. It is Bill Belichick's responsibility. And I think you look at what they've done as a staff. I mean, so many of the people who are in coaching roles there either are former Belichick coaches who came back, former Belichick players who have been promoted to coaching roles, or people who are related by blood to Bill Belichick. <laughs> and I think that speaks to kind of what he wants to do. I mean, there's plenty of teams or organizations in college and the NFL. And you think about Nick Saban, one of Belichick's best friends who – will hire any former head coach to be a consultant in Alabama. Belichick is doing the opposite. He has a small staff of people who are very familiar with what Bill Belichick has known and taught over the past 20 years. There's nothing wrong with that, but obviously it limits the people you can hire to be part of that coaching staff. And I do think it hurts them in terms of maybe the, the exposure to new concepts or things outside the organization mm -hmm. that other coaches might provide to the Patriots. It's Spain and Fitz, Bill Barnwell with us. It's Barnwell Tuesdays. Tuesdays with Barnwell, I guess, is what we usually call it. Uh, is there a team that people are sort of giving up on of late that you think they're too too hasty in doing so just because of the parity or because you anticipate better performance coming up? Yes, there is, Sarah. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are mm. an underrated football team. And, yes, it feels like every week they are winning, and then by the fourth quarter suddenly they start losing. It is the – Opposite of the Giants, who, uh, conveniently enough, they did that exact thing with this week. The Giants, who pull out a game in the fourth quarter every week, 
pulled out a game in the fourth quarter against the Jags this week. But I like what I've seen. I think the defense is playing tough, not necessarily great, but 10th in the league in points per game allowed. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence's upside is incredible. He has been inconsistent this year. They've had some rough patches, but I think Travis Etienne playing a larger role now as part of the James Robinson trade is going to help them. And I think their offense is going to look a little better as people get more familiar with everything in the second half of the season. So I don't think the AFC South uh, division title is on the cards. Like maybe it looked like after the first couple of weeks of the season, two and five is tough to come back from, but I think they're going to be kind of a competitive team and maybe a team that could pull an upset or two in the second half of the season. Real quick, before we let you go, Bill, if you had to bet that huge Barnwell personal Island on either the giants or the jets at this point, who do you feel better about for the rest of the year? I will say the Giants because I have no faith in Zach Wilson. If you guys do, more credit to you. But Zach Wilson, (laughs) even in the win last week, looked terrible. Follow him on Twitter at Bill Barnwell. Read him on ESPN.com. His article on Plus is absolutely spectacular work every single week. Bill, we appreciate you joining us, my friend. Have a great week. Thank you, guys. All right, guys, we're one week into the NBA season, which means it's time to play a little panic or patience and party or patience. Going to have a good time, and we're going to enjoy the chaos next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. That's Sarah Spain and Jason Fitz back Let's together go. again. ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to get back to some football, but right now, I want to talk a little NBA. Can we always use this? Forever? Yeah, forever. Forever and ever. Yeah. Okay, so in the past, we've played panic or patience in the NFL. Should teams be panicking early or be patient because they might get better? We're going to do that while this plays forever. Not just this segment. I think it should be the rest of the show. I think when Aaron Schatz joins us later to talk NFL, we should say nothing about this and have it playing in the background and just see if he says something. I think that'd be cool. I want to know if Aaron Schatz can power through. I hope there's no serious topics coming up. Okay, I'm going to pull it together, Sarah. I'm going to pull it together. Yeah, because I don't think it'd be appropriate to talk about anything too serious with this behind us. (laughs) Okay, Uh, I feel good. I feel good. I'm ready. I'm ready. Panic or patience? We ask if crappy teams are going to get better, if this is going to be the way things go the rest of the year. And then we've got a new addition to this uh, for the NBA. Party or patience? All right. Too early to get too excited, or should they just start throwing some parade plans now? Let's start with panicking. Fitz, I'm going to give you four terrible teams so far. Okay. The 0-3 Lakers, who currently have the worst offense in the entire NBA. The 1-2 Nets, who currently have the worst rated defense in the NBA. The Sixers, who are sitting at 1-3. And the Heat, who have looked abysmal, also one and three. Are you going to tell any of those teams to panic? Yeah, I'm going to tell the Lakers to panic huge. And I'm going to tell the Lakers to panic huge because when you watch them, it's obvious they don't like each other. 
You know, like that's the thing that really hits me when you watch them on the court. And look, at the, the viral moment that went out there the other night with Westbrook taking a shot where he thought he had a two for one. He decided he was going to heave up the shot mm-hmm. that was unnecessary. And you just saw everybody else throw their hands in the air. There is a disdain that you can feel on the court. And I don't remember the last time I saw a bunch of all-stars that just seemed to absolutely just not like each other. And I, I yeah. we talked to Matt Barnes about it earlier. I don't know what fixes that, so I'm completely out on the Lakers this year. Lakers are going to be a dumpster fire that is not worth watching, and we're going to have to force our way to find conversations about them because they're still the Lakers. Yeah, they're going to be very bad. Through three games, they're 25 of 118 from three-point range. In NBA history, there have been over 6,100 instances of a team taking at least 100 threes over a three-game span. Their percentage of 21.2 is the lowest of any of them, only ahead of, sorry, second lowest, only ahead of one chunk from the 2018 Hawks. They are absolutely terrible. Their loss to the Blazers, they shot one for 20 from three in three of the quarters. They only look decent for, uh, for a brief moment. This, I mean, this is a horrendous shooting team. That might get a little better, but overall this offense is gonna not going to be good. They are going to get a benefit, and I hate to say this, but Russell Westbrook is injured and probably not playing the next game or two. <laughs> that might make things look a little better because that disdain might be gone, but this is not a well-built team, and this is not a team that's going to succeed. What about the Nets, though? Because defensively, they aren't just bad. They are the absolute worst. And they've got a guy in Ben Simmons that's already fouled out twice in this young season. So what I'm trying to figure out is what breaks through for Ben, right? Like, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's I'm Charlie Brown running up to the football and I'm constantly wrong about it. But, like, at some point, you just feel like, hey, the one thing that we know Ben Simmons can do is play solid defense, right? Like, so at some point you think that that's got to normalize. Like, maybe he's so busy worrying about everything else that – He's a little off, and it's been a long time since he played. So in my gut, I feel like maybe Simmons figures that out. And yet again, we're sitting here with the Nets saying too much talent to not be bad. But they look bad, Sarah. Yeah, I just have never believed in the Nets. You know that even before Mm -hmm. the Kyrie Irving stuff, even before they added Simmons, before Harden left, I just said I don't think this this group of three that has now changed to a different group, but – is still led by Durant and Kyrie. I don't think they're good enough to contend because they cannot play 60 minutes of defense. Heck, right now they can't play five minutes of defense, but that's the big issue. I am waiting on the Sixers and Heat. I'm going to say patience for those two, but I do not have high hopes for the Lakers or the Nets this year. I agree with you. All right, Spain and Fitz are doing a little patience or panic. Let's flip the script and talk about a couple teams that are actually doing quite well very early and not the ones we expected. There are plenty of teams that have high hopes that have started off pretty strong. Let's talk about three teams that maybe we didn't expect to see at the top of the standings right now and whether they should be partying or having some patience. The Blazers are 4-0. and The Jazz and the Spurs are 3-1. and You telling any of these teams to party? Maybe it's my own bias. I I just find myself finding positive reasons and reinforcement around the Blazers, right? I, I... Maybe it's because, uh, as you joked earlier, been sort of the side piece, but, like, there's still enough talent here for me to look at it and say, man, all they needed for a few things to break right, and so far this season, that's exactly what's happening. So, I, I... I feel like maybe there's a reason for a little party at the very. I'm not saying the Blazers are going to end up being a top three seed in the West, but I do think the Blazers are much better than we expected, and they have enough star power for that to be sustainable to me. I want that to be the case because I like <laughs> the Blazers, right. and I think they could still be a, 
you know, a decent team. I think they could get a lot of wins because of Dame being back, because Jurkic is a less talked about but still very talented guy. I think Anthony Simons, if he has more games like he did the other night where he was just in the zone, that could be real fun to watch. I just don't think this roster has enough to actually contend. And I, I feel the same way about um, the Spurs. This is a full-on rebuild. Yeah. They waived Gallinari. They dealt Murray. They dealt Lonnie Walker. You know, they just they, – they, 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 they use some picks on young guys, and they want to see what they got and who they have moving forward. I think they are way far away from being a part of the picture. Uh, the Jazz – I love me the heart that we're seeing, but I don't love the roster. And I don't think this is a team that's going to be able to sustain this and actually contend. You look around and you say, they've got some talented guys. They've got some guys that are fun to watch. Um, Claxton, or sorry, Clarkson and, um, you know, Malik Beasley can can put some up sometimes. Mike Conley's always going to be a fun player, but, um, you know, you look around and you see some guys that are that are gonna have their night and then and then you're like eh, against a real roster of a real team that's can stack up against you especially in any sort of series in the postseason no chance yeah I, so I, unfortunately I, i'm saying patience for all of them they'll come back down to earth I, I think you're right about that maybe dame is enough of a reason that i feel like the the blazers can yeah. like when you have one superstar you're right utah right now doesn't really they have a bunch of pretty good players that are all playing lights out. Like, I feel like there's an energy difference right now. And we're early in the regular season. Some teams are feeling it out. Some teams, I don't think, really care that much early in the regular season. Utah's winning because they're coming out with a fire in their belly. I love yeah. watching it, and I think that's great. I just don't know how sustainable that is once everybody else plugs in and finds their rhythm. I, the reason I give the Trailblazers a little benefit of the doubt is when you have Dame, I still believe that maybe Dame can do the heavy yeah. lifting. And uh, listen, I have watched Lowry Markinen. I wanted him yeah, to be good. You know that guy. I will get excited if he does well, and he's still a young guy who can get much better. But when he's leading the way in points per game and he's the guy you're depending on, he's not keeping up a 21-point average, I don't think. Um, Olenek and Clarks. I mean, there's some guys there that are fun. I just – it it's not going to stick around, unfortunately. Road to the World Series, by the way, guys, goes through ESPN Radio. Catch all the postseason action presented by AutoZone on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Give me that music again, please. I would like it as loud as possible on our way out. I mean, dunk it. dunk it. All right, we'll get back to football next, and we'll see if Aaron Schatz notices this music. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. It's a Tuesday as we uh, both celebrate victories for our respective football teams. And that means Tuesdays we get to hang out with our buddy and it's time for shots. I thought we were going to get the music there. Shot, 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 shot. shot, shot. We'll do Everybody. It there we go. Also, shots you do us. that, and then behind it, I'll just say, give me play the ball, because I'm going to dunk it. Okay. I, we, I don't. There it is. Bring it back. Basketball. Shots, I don't know if you're at all familiar with Saturday Night Live, uh, <laughs> but we have just spent the last segment wearing, really wearing out uh, John Tesh's uh, theme to the NBA with Gimme Gimme Some Basketball. There we go. So yeah, see? But with the, with the long-forgotten vocals that really are the biggest part of it. 
Okay. Yeah, there's now, that transition. Now we're, now we're doing a mashup that makes no sense to me, and things have gone completely off. I haven't even had a drink yet, so uh, we're going to see if we can get this thing back on the rails. Aaron Schatz joining us from Football Outsiders. All right, uh, explain to me what's wrong with New England and what happened last night. Well, I mean, you know, we can talk about quarterback controversies all we want, but the biggest problem was that the defense looked completely unprepared. Mm. And we know the Patriots' defense, look, they favor smarter players over faster players, and that creates a problem when they face mobile quarterbacks. And they've had a problem with mobile quarterbacks in the past, and boy, did they have a problem with mobile quarterback last night. So that's the biggest issue. I mean, they didn't get good quarterback play. Uh, I mean, even the two touchdown drives from Bailey Zappi were mostly made by two great catches by Myers and Parker. But the real big problem was the defense, and that's what they really need to fix if they're ever going to play a mobile quarterback again. And hint, they are. Yeah. I I think this whole segment could just be going around and asking what's wrong with. uh, So let's keep that up for a little while. What's actually wrong with the Packers, and is it fixable? Yeah, you know, the Packers, look, here's the first thing. People thought they were going to have a top 10 defense this year, and there was really no evidence that that was going to happen. They haven't had a top 10 defense in years, and lo and behold, they have the number 25 defense by our numbers. They also have poor special teams. I mean, look, the passing game is not great right now, but it's actually above average. Right. It's just, you know, what we're used to from Aaron Rodgers is MVP level play. And we're not seeing that. So I, I don't know if he can get the kind of receivers that he can be in mental lockstep with the way he was with Devontae Adams. And, you know, that's what he really needs to get back to the level of play that he was at the last two years. He's also just had trouble throwing, you know, outside and throwing deeper passes this year. But it's not what's bad. What's bad about the Packers is really the defense and the special teams. So when you guys run your numbers and your analytics and you look at the way teams are performing, who's wildly outside of the analytics, good or bad right now, where the numbers don't make sense to the results we're seeing? Oh, the Giants. My God. (laughs) The Giants are, uh, by our numbers, the Giants are the second worst 6-1 team of the last 42 years. Hmm. But at wow. a certain point, you know what? If you're the worst six and one team, that's pretty good, right? You're still six, you're and, six one. and one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the Giants, I mean, they are—they have played like an average team so far, which is much, much better than what we expected before the season, but not commensurate with the six and one record at all. But you know what? If they're an average team the rest of the way, let's say they go 500 the rest of the way, they're a playoff team. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. It doesn't take a, a whole lot more wins to be above the rest of the pack, at least the way things are going. We're talking to Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders at FO underscore A Schatz. Uh, we had you on at the beginning of the season, and you told us there would be tremendous parity. So we'll give you a break on the Giants model being a little bit off. Let's talk about how a lot of the rest of what you predicted has come true. Are you able to look at this giant middle pack and actually tell which teams will succeed going forward and break away? Or do you anticipate there being an up-and-down, week-in, week-out reaction from almost all of these teams, depending on matchups? Yeah, I mean, I think that, look, the uh, underlying play-by-play that comes out in our ratings and other advanced ratings on the Internet does 
differentiate between the good four and three and three and four teams and the bad four and three and three and four teams. And there is a difference, but there also is just going to be a lot of parity and randomness this season. And I think you can expect more unexpected results this year. It's just a year with a lot of parity. Um, The standard deviation of our DVOA ratings is the lowest that it's ever been. In other words, the teams are packed together in quality closer than they've ever been at this point in the season. And I think that's what we're seeing on the field. Yeah. Is that a positive or, I mean, like when we say quality, does it's it mean we're seeing better like, football? If you like close games, if you like close games, it's very positive, right? There's been more close games this year than any year in NFL history at this point in the season. So if you like games where you're not shutting your TV off with 40 minutes left going, oh man, this thing's over. If you like it when it's you know close to the end, it's a very good thing, even if the football on the field doesn't always feel like it's quite as smooth as what we're used to. Well, and it's good to give more fans the opportunity to see their team win sometimes. I mean, speaking as a Bears fan, it was a lot of fun last night. We don't get very many games like that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it might make for an ugly postseason, though, if there's only a couple really good teams and they are definitively better. Uh, but it does allow some of the things that have kept things exciting. Um, have you been able to, over the last week or two, uh, seen a jump in 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 any team's expected playoff perfor- uh, 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 ability or because of the injuries and stuff has anything drastically changed for a team? Oh yeah, some teams are definitely looking better than they looked a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Jets uh, certainly look better than they did a couple weeks ago. The Giants keep winning, so they look a, be- a better. Cincinnati has gotten mm, it back together. Much better, yeah. Uh, especially on defense, right? Like we we all expected that the offense was going to be good, but I don't think we expected uh, defense to be good. They are our number six defense this year. I mean, that's kind of wild when you think number six. I would not have expected that. Mm. Is that sustained? In your mind, is that something that moves forward through the rest of the season? Where do you put Cincinnati in this hodgepodge of the AFC? Well, I will say that defense is less consistent and less predictive than offense is, and that's almost always true. So do I see that continuing the rest of the year? I think it's, you know, it's not as likely as it is that the, you know, fifth or sixth best offense continues to be that good the rest of the year. But uh, we have Cincinnati as the fourth best team in the AFC right now. We have Buffalo, then Kansas City, then Baltimore, and then Cincinnati. Yeah. And, and so much of that is sometimes luck, right? Do you actually recover that fumble instead of it bouncing the wrong way? Um, missed opportunities for picks, which we've seen, it feels like even more often than usual this season. Uh, Aaron Schatz is with us, Football Outsiders. You can follow him at FO underscore A Schatz. Um, the Bucks are a team that I had pretty high hopes for alongside those woeful Packers. Uh, is there something to be saved there? Yeah, I still think the Buccaneers are good. They are still eighth in our numbers, despite being three and four. Wow. wow. They're, they're still fifth on defense. They basically had one, one bad defensive game against Carolina. But their defense has been good otherwise. They can't run the ball, right? They actually have the number 10 pass offense. Brady is declined, but he's not declined that much. But they can't run at all. Fournette's getting nothing and their special teams are bad, and then their defense had one bad game this week. But I I absolutely think there's still lots of talented players in Tampa Bay. 
I think there's plenty to be salvaged there. I think, you know, Brady has declined. He may not be MVP candidate Brady, but he's still above average quarterback Brady. And they are still the favorites in that division. Football Outsiders makes me smarter every day. Check him out and uh, check out Aaron on F-O underscore A shots. It's how you follow him on Twitter. Aaron Shots. always appreciate your time and your insight, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Absolutely, man. Let's do it again. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. It's the 10th year of Progressive's Keys to Progress annual giveaway for veterans. This year, the goal is to gift a vehicle to at least one recipient in every state. Learn more at keystoprogress.com. Jalen Brown has put out a statement you've got to hear about. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We asked you a couple questions on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed earlier. Fitz, I got some good ones. Uh, We were talking about the NFL officials who appeared to be potentially getting the autograph of Mike Evans postgame, and the NFL told us absolutely that's not what was happening. They didn't say what was happening. Yeah, right, 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 yeah. They just left it loose like that until Mike Evans and others said that it was about getting a phone number for a golf pro to give Mike Evans lessons (laughs) and that Jeff Lamberth, the uh, official, and Mike Evans went to the same school, hence the connection and conversation seemed very strange to me. And we asked, what was Mike Evans actually signing? Wrong answers only. These are my favorites. His scorecard, shot three under, nice round. <laughs> uh, permission slip for a school field trip to oh, the like Florida that, yeah. Aquarium. Okay. <laughs> Wedding RSV, got the RSVP, got the uh, filet mignon. Uh, his car's extended warranty. <laughs> That's Validating well parking. Writing out his Nana's banana bread recipe. Buying Girl Scout cookies from the ref's granddaughter. Mm. And finally... A receipt for two steak sandwiches charged to the Underhills. Hashtag Fletch. And it all comes back around again to Chevy Chase. Well, look, and that's 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 you called sure a callback. That's well, that's well done. <laughs> that is well done. That's right. And uh, our entire show staff is now just looking at me like we have lost our minds uh, for the Chevy Chase reference. But you're welcome, yeah. America. Listen, we had you to sure come back called? around to it. Yeah. Uh, put it on the underhills. That's right. Uh, let's move on because there's an update here on a story that's sort of been gaining steam, mostly around uh, Adidas and sportswear, but now athletes are getting into the conversation as well. Obviously, Kanye West's recent anti-Semitic comments um, and just general behavior outside of those very specific comments, but so many different things over the uh, last few months have caused a lot of companies to step away. Adidas finally did, although many are complaining about how long it took them to cancel their partnership with him. It's going to be a pretty tangled and difficult thing to uh, completely detach themselves from at this point, Fitz. I, I don't know whether they own the name Yeezys. I don't know if they can continue producing and making money off of them without him. I don't know if people will consider that a full split, even if they're not working directly with him. But all of that will need to be figured out for Adidas, and, and that brand will need to do a lot of cleanup after this. But two athletes today elected to leave his Donda Sports Agency. Um, Aaron Donald of the Rams said that he and his wife uh, decided to leave due to, quote, recent comments and displays of hate and anti-Semitism, which they characterize as, quote, the exact opposite of how we choose to live our lives and raise our children. Also today, Celtic star Jalen Brown, who also happens to be the executive VP of the uh, NBAPA, 
uh, tweeted that he was also terminating his association with Donda Sports. Uh, He said, the reason I signed with Donda Sports, it represented education. It represented activism, disruption. It represented single parent households. And a lot more people are involved in something like that. A lot of the people that I work with, work with their families, build love and respect for spending time in the summer. A lot of people involved. That's what the organization from my vantage point from Donda Sports represented. But in his latest statement, He also says, just like Aaron Donald, that it no longer represents who he is. He also acknowledged that in the past, his stance regarding insensitive public remarks were not good enough. He will seek to and try to continue to stand against anti-Semitism, hate speech, misrepresentation, any kind of oppressive rhetoric, and did say that he doesn't think that the positions of Donda Sports uh, correlate with his stance or his values anymore. Uh, Fitz, this is not... I think as tough of a announcement uh, for these two guys as some other things uh, maybe could have come even earlier, but it's, it's good that they're making a stand and making it clear. Yeah. And I also thought it was important. Jalen Brown said at the end of his most recent statement that came out a couple hours ago, he said, I do seek to continue providing mentorship, love and support to the incredible children, faculty and young athletes with whom I've been grateful to form bonds and relationships with during my time with Donda Academy. I think it's, it was a really smart statement from Jalen Brown, a thoughtful statement. I think it's a better way to say that. Uh, to what he could have done, what he's doing now, and what he intends to do moving forward. And so often in these situations, you get something that feels really either cliche or vapid. And to see someone come out with a really thoughtful statement on the entire situation, I Mm -hmm. I, I read it a couple of times and I walked away from it really impressed with how he put that statement together and, and what he really chose to say in that three paragraph statement that came out a couple hours ago. So kudos to him. Yeah, and I think, listen, there are conversations to be had about the termination of these deals over these specific comments and in light of the recent outrage, but he also wore a White Lives Matter shirt. He also made horrific and not factual claims about George Floyd's death. Uh, Kanye has has been um, making awful statements about the history of slavery, so it's interesting where the sort of last straw needs to be before there's a decision officially made by so many of these businesses. And usually it is public pressure more so than it is one specific or a couple specific things. And that um, is, is a bigger conversation to have, right? About which groups can we offend, insult, attack, um, and people are used to it, and which groups um, or what accumulation of statements end up, you know, deciding that that's the final straw and... He's been an example for a long time of massage and noir. He's he's been an example in his relationship with with his ex of um, some pretty serious uh, misogyny and and really harmful patriarchal views. Uh, so yeah, this is a. I think this is going to be a conversation that keeps coming because of the way it's rolled out. I think you know the where is the line conversation is always difficult because people have to look within right and and then answer tough questions about why this was the moment or this was the thing and other things weren't but i also think that some growth can come from that frankly you know just going through the process of saying like why now and why not before and what could i and should i have done in that process i, I mean i think there's a learning curve for a lot of people in trying to figure out what's acceptable what's not and how to how to take a stand in difficult situations I'm, I'm glad to see athletes step up and take that stand now. I think it's also important that in that process you look at it and say, hey, what have I tolerated and why? And, and hopefully through right. each of that, like we all sort of grow through that. Well, and I think Fitz and uh, we were just talking today randomly about some of the some of the shows that we had to do during 
COVID when there were no sports. And I remember back to a long stretch of months where we had three hours a night of what was then Spain and company and the ways we found to do, you know, action and, and, uh, and adventure TV show theme song brackets for weeks at a time to take up space. But we also really got into social issues and the racial reckoning our country was having. And in that time, there was so little else going on that we weren't distracted from really getting into those conversations. And we're back in so many ways to so much more of a normal life uh, with the pandemic that you do wonder when someone says or does something, how much impact that has on the reaction to it, when it should be about the the issue at hand and not about the timing of that issue. But a lot of this, I think, if he had said and done some of this at the peak of those conversations, this would have come along a lot faster. I, oh, I totally agree with that. I think it also must speak to whatever he thought his behind-the-scenes deal was with Adidas, that he was so sure uh-huh. that he could say anything without recourse. And it shows that some of these things from a business side – get very complicated. So unwinding a business relationship, I'm sure, isn't easy. And he obviously thought that he was untouchable. I don't think he'd come out as confidently at the time if he didn't believe that. And it shows a, a lack of understanding to that, too. You know, I, I, there's there's so many layers to this that uh, are complicated and are worth having these conversations about. And th- these are opportunities for athletes to, frankly, use their platform to speak out and speak out against things in a real and actionable way. And I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think going forward, it'll be interesting to see who goes right back to Adidas or who believes that they've done enough now to make them someone you don't want to work with going forward. Uh, I am seeing now that they have the right to all Yeezy Adidas designs except for the slides. So anything they want to do going forward, they have the right to do despite Kanye owning his own brand, Hmm. right? That is interesting. So the language in there actually says that they are the sole owner of all design rights to existing products, as well as previous and new colorways under the partnership. Hmm. So interesting to see where that goes. And same with the, uh, the statements and decisions by Adidas athletes. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.